Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Jay Bird Watching Podcast, the official podcast of jaysjournal.com and fansided.com, where we discuss all things Toronto Blue Jays baseball. We'll talk about news, rumors, and game recaps. So whether you're a diehard fan or just getting started with the team, this is the podcast for you. Here's your host, Craig Borden, with co-hosts Jason Lyons and me, Ken Alfred. You're listening to the Jay Bird Watching Podcast. Happy Saturday afternoon slash Saturday morning, Blue Jays fans. We have a special episode for you today. I know we're right actually in the point where we would be normally gearing up for a spring training game on a Saturday, but we had a nice chat with Dr. Jenna Ross here a few weeks ago, and we wanted to make sure that we gave her a chance to talk with all of you. So um, here we are, Jay Bird watching on a Saturday, Ken, it with us is again after being out for a few days <laughs> you yep. feeling better buddy feeling a lot better I, I might be pausing my microphone if i have to sneeze or cough but I, I was it sucked that i missed the last episode so but i didn't want to miss this one and and uh, what do you mean it's not wednesday it's not Wednesday. Saturday. I don't know what a diamond is anymore. I'm sitting here going, I'm like all dressed up, like I'm going to work, and on Saturday it's kind of weird. Well, so, anyways, the guest of honor and the reason we're having a special episode this weekend, it, Dr. Jenna Ross is with us. And uh, Jenna, hi, and uh, hi. introduce yourself to the Blue Jays fans. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you, Craig. Thank you, Ken, for inviting me to be here. It's awesome. Um, I. You know, from the mental standpoint, uh, work with athletes on on their their mindset and overcoming you know obstacles in the sport, whether it's baseball, um, really anything uh, sport wise. Uh, you know, it's all the the approach to whatever sport it is. And so, my background, you know, I, I come from the military. Um, yeah, I was a drill sergeant, a medic, um, and so kind of having under, an understanding of of the pressure of the um, need to perform and what that's like from, from that standpoint. But then, you know, my education is a, uh, doctorate in sport and performance psychology. So I'm kind of combining the two, bringing some, some clinical, um, knowledge to it and, you know, helping athletes with obstacles that they're facing mentally. Yeah. And for, I want to be the first to make sure I say thank you for your service because 13 years in the military is no short feat. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it was a uh, very uh, a good opportunity to face some challenges and really, you know, grow. And at some point you decide to take it a different direction. And that's what I did. And so that's where, you know, I, I actually found out about performance psychology was in the military um, and just mm-hmm. fell in love with it. It was just became my passion. So. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we're going to talk about today, the mind is a wonderful and uh, moderately terrible thing all at the same time. So <laughs> more or less the same reason why we're going to chat today and uh, focus on the mental side of the game, as you put it. And as Blue Jays fans, we see this all the time and baseball players and Baseball is literally a sport of failure. The best baseball players only, you know, really get it done, especially hitters, literally a third of the time and they're Hall of Famers. So, so they're not, you know, if you're batting 250, you're actually a mediocre everyday baseball player at the major league level. And how do you get to those next levels is where we're going to talk a little bit too. And um, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. If you were one of the ones that was trying to take that next step it might not be a physical ability that might be actually holding you up dr ross correct <laughs> yes that's absolutely right um i think it's so important you know it, it's becoming more and more common i think to introduce mental performance training but it's still something that is fairly new to a lot of athletes obviously uh you know the blue jays level they they have that um professional levels typically have somebody that comes in and train them trains them I but think they've only actually officially had somebody the last five years i think it's been relatively new at the major league level at their performance center that they have in their spring training co complex in Dunedin, florida i would say that was probably more normal but to your point yeah. when coming <laughs> Yeah, definitely up and coming. And so that's what it's really all about is like, it just needs to become a, I think a normal part of the sport, just like you train physically and you go, you know, to the weight room and train to, to get stronger physically. Well, we need to start doing that mentally. And so, and I think that's what stops a lot of players from being good to being great. Like just that mindset and, and what that is like, especially in the sport of baseball, like you said, Craig, where it's a, it's a game of failure. And if you think about it, two out of three times you fail. So your response to those failures is really where it's at. It's not your success. It's how do you respond to those failures? No, yeah. it, it makes perfect sense. Could I jump into Craig actually? So, perfect. So, so Dr. Ross, I mean, let's even backtrack even a bit further. So what is this whole stigma of people going to a sports psychologist? Because I think some people might be afraid of that thing and that, oh, uh, am I not strong mentally? Is that, that that's when I have to start going and, and talk about what you actually can do for, you know, athletes. Mm -hmm. And even, I guess in this case, sometimes with parents of athletes. Yes, there is a stigma. And I, I think we're slowly breaking down the walls of that stigma, stigma, but it, it's the idea that it's, uh, you know, you're, you're going to see, a uh, a psych guru or a psychiatrist, or just kind of the idea that something's wrong with you. If you have to go see somebody and, you know, the reality I think is that, uh, as, as we know, we all have issues. And so, you know, it's for me has always been no brains, no headaches. So I guess we're a little bit all right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just kind of, I think, normalizing the fact that like, we could all use somebody that can help us get past where we're at right now and in whatever we're going through to whatever extent that is. Um, and so encouraging athletes, and that's a lot of what I do is it's, it's mental performance training. So it's preventative. Like that's my hope is that it's not going to lead to, you know, you going down the road of a mental health crisis later on because you don't have the skills. Like if we can give you the skills before then and strengthen you beforehand, 
then, you know, you're, you're going to be less likely to experience all these, you know, mental health problems that we do see. Um, but so helping athletes and even the parents, uh, of the athlete, I think is, you know, it's, it's twofold because parents always want the best, but sometimes parents are the, the pressure on that athlete. And so you, you can be that kind We've of actually neutral. I've seen that as Blue Jays fans, because there's been a few too many parents that have been involved. And then uh, t- three of our best players on the team right now actually are sons of major league hall of famers. <laughs> and so so no pressure for I can them. see where yeah. no pressure at all from the parents <laughs> ever. <laughs> right. Like for that kid to grow up, that's a lot of, you know, they, they feel that, that they got to walk in those shoes too. So Um, But I think it's really about like bringing it back to the fact that you you can be that neutral third party for that athlete to come to. And you're not the coach. Um, You know, a lot of athletes don't want to come and talk to the coach because of fear of, you know, what will it mean for me to play? And will that take me out of the game? Right. And so there's all these thoughts and fears about having, you know, talking to somebody about your problems is like, well, what if they say I can't play, you know? And so I think it's being that neutral kind of third party. It's not a parent. You're not a coach. Um, You can objectively look at what they're going through and then give them, you know, here's some tools to help them. So, yeah. And that's, I think the biggest part right there too, is because it's not, it is tools. (laughs) It's not one fix fits all. And I think that's what I always hear what a lot of people talking about mental health and seeking out help and everything. Sometimes they get shoehorned and did no, you just got to do this. And that is the pretty much the worst thing you really could be telling everybody. And then especially hearing from your peers and stuff, something that works for you might not necessarily work for the other person. Yes, absolutely. I always say there's like, no, it's not a cookie cutter approach. Like it's, it's talking to them and, and finding out, you know, it's, it's both an art and a science and combining kind of the two and, you know, in baseball, just the nature of baseball, I think is, uh, you have that space to be in your head. Like there's not something <laughs> where, and things like yeah, that. Not, you know, it's not like the game of basketball where you're going back and forth or the game of football. And it's like constantly go, go, go. It's like you make a play and then there's space and you wait. And what happens in that space? You know, do I go in my head and think about the last play that I just did? Or, you know, am I able to kind of carry on and, and push forward in, in where I am presently now? So I think it's the nature of baseball too, is it's unique. And so you talk about what approach you're going to take it can't be cookie cutter because every sport is different. Yeah. And yeah. sorry for to jump in on that as well is that I used to be a personal trainer back in the day. And, uh, and I was actually one of my clients before was a soccer player who played on the last world cup team in Canada, but he was, we were talking nice. about golf for some reason. Right. So we're talking about golf and he says, can you know the, one of the most frustrating things about golf? I said, no, what is it? He's like almost any, unlike any other sport, you're either trying to keep the ball away from someone or someone's trying to take the ball away from you. In golf, the ball is standing right there. Nothing else is trying to take it out. So it's literally a mental game that, you know, it should be simple, right? Because it's there, but oh, like you, done. <laughs> you just hit the ball, right? So it is true. Like almost in every different sport, I think what we're trying to give listeners too, is that we're not trying to say, use all these, use one strategy that you're going to use for your child or for yourself or anything like that. But just, you know, what, what are things that maybe we can try to help with and not make things worse, especially because obviously we can't have Dr. Ross be there to counsel all of our kids players every single game 
in between innings and all that sort of stuff. Right. Cause I don't think Dr. Jenny has that much time. So <laughs> it's like, whatever or you're going to have a hell of a wallet. One of the other. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she can. Yeah, let's go. Take that. <laughs> um, no, but I think you're right. You know, Ken, is that like, it, it has to be unique and you, you learn a lot when you talk to people and you talk to the player and find out what, what they're experiencing. And, you know, some of the, the clients I have now are, are baseball athletes and, you know, a common theme for that sport is like confidence. It's like, you know, the moment they make a mistake, their confidence goes out the window and then they're stuck in their head and they're in this feedback loop. And so you know, it, you may see common themes in certain sports, but you still got to be able to like kind of pick out and, and pick the key words that they're telling you and really, you know, what is it that you need? What is it that they need that is specific to them? Um, and then too, right. It's not going to happen in the middle of a game, right? Like when you show up to game time, you should have, you should have the tools already ready to go. I'm not going to be able to like interject in game time. Cause that's like the worst time. Right. <laughs> yeah. At that point you're playing with the plan and yeah. <laughs> whatever it might be at that point, that's hopefully up to the manager to just figure out how to get the best out of their player at that point, which in my opinion is just as much of a assistant to this whole process on that kind of thing is the best coaches usually know how to get the best out of their players. So mm-hmm. I think we finally had that coach, uh, for the Blue Jays this year, though, can just say, <laughs> hope so, hope so. Uh, Dr. Ross, I don't, I don't know if you know, but the Toronto Blue Jays current manager actually was a Toronto Blue Jays catcher mm-hmm. way back when, but never got all the way up to the ma- through the majors. Had some couldn't perform and had some injuries, and then he's like, you know what? I'm going to give coaching a shot. He has went all the way through the Blue Jays minor league system whatever it might be and gotten all the way to the manager spot. And this is his first full year this year. So he's been with wow. these guys growing up as a coach with all these current players, which to mm-hmm. your point might be the right voice for the on field general kind of person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so important. Like he has that experience and that knowledge with them. I think that brings a lot of credibility too. you know, like, and, and that's a part of, in what I do is like, you got to build that rapport with somebody and you, you really have to kind of understand and they have to understand you, you know, and you can't just go in, um, you know, Joe Schmo off the street and and try to make a difference. It's like, it takes building that rapport, building that trust with them. And, you know, if the general manager has that, that's, that's a good foundation. And then you can just go up from there. Yeah. So you mentioned something a minute ago that I was going to bring up, but we kind of went down the path a little bit here already. Anyway, when they do have somebody that slips an on the field moment that maybe, like you said, is just the snowball effect all of a sudden. And now it's a giant, you know, brick of a snowball rolling down the hill in baseball. It's called the yips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you uh, get to that point where maybe you were um, in one of the guys most recently in baseball history period was um, this guy who played for the New York Yankees named Chuck Knobloch, who all of a sudden famously couldn't throw the ball from second to first base. Like he would make all the amazing plays, but that one just being able to all of a sudden get it to first base, that mental piece just lost it. Um, there's another famous pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals named Rick and was the rookie sensation of all pitchers gets to the first playoff game. And for some reason, the Cardinals threw him out there in the first playoff game that year. 
and he couldn't throw the ball across the plate and it ruined his career. He had to come back two, three years later as an outfielder. He couldn't pitch anymore. I, that those back then, this whole conversation that we are talking about here with mental health in the game was probably not taking anywhere because this is in that 10, 15 year ago ballpark. Mm -hmm. How do you, I know you, we were talking about having the right tools and setting up somebody. If you are in those situations, what are the kind of things that you try to seek out for that individual to possibly get them around those Mm -hmm. pieces? I almost think that they're really putting you on the spot. No, (laughs) no, it's, it's good because it's the reality of the sport. And I I think that with um, something like those situations is like, there is this, this fear and, and people want to avoid kind of like even talking about it because like you said, it changed his whole career. So what they do is then they, they stuff it and they push it back and they keep trying to avoid that like I'm having this difficulty and all that does is make that difficulty grow. It, it, you know, escalates in their head. We saw it happen on the field with those two guys because it just kept getting worse to the point where Mm -hmm. it was almost unbearable to watch and you feel for them at the same time. Yeah. And it, and it really is, it's like a block, right. But it's blocking them mechanically from executing. Um, And so them avoiding it is, is making it worse. And so I think the first step, is, you know, you're in the way that you approach it is important. Um, you know, you're not just going to go straight in and, and like, Hey, let's bring this out in the open. Right. Cause obviously they're dealing with it. Um, mm-hmm. but Hey, like, let's talk about this, you know, what, what's happening for you. And I think the moment that you kind of bring it out in the open, like, and, and encourage them that there, there can be a solution. We can work through it. It doesn't become as devastating and it kind of, can mellow back down, right. Instead of growing and that we want to prevent it from escalating, um, to that level where it really affects their career like that. Um, and so then I think it's bringing back in, you know, the tools and the skills to really be like, okay, what's happening for you and what skills do we need? And then once they start to see that there's a solution and that you can work through it, it becomes like, okay, it's empowering. Like I, I have, and I think it's the, let the, um, kind of the loss of control, right? Like I'm, I'm in my head, I'm trying to execute this movement and it's not, it's not going, it's not working. Yeah. And that can feel very helpless. Um, and so I think just in the matter of giving them the tools, the mental skills to be like, okay, in this moment, like, let's walk through that. What does that look like? And then you continually do that and you're giving them that like control back that sense of control. So that's yeah. control is the big thing. <laughs> I yeah. think a lot of that. Dr. Ross, good question here. Uh, so mm-hmm. what, so if you think about all these professionals, specifically in baseball, they've been training since they were kids to do these things. So they all know square up, how to throw to the point that I think in, a, in an athlete's mind, they almost want it to be almost robotic so that they don't have to think into that. So why does that mind kind of get in the way when, you know, we can physically do things that we don't have to think about, but the minute the mind kicks in there and now throws us for a loop. So why does that seem to happen? Why in a perfect world for these athletes, they want to have no mental issues at all. Why can't they just turn that off and just too much time to think about it, Ken? That's what it is. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. There is too much time to think about it. And what happens in those moments is like the thoughts, right? And you think about in the game of baseball, like your attention. And I do a lot of training on this too, is like, where is your attention going? 
Um, because if you're in a game where there's a lot of, there's some external things that are giving, you know, you take that information, then your body says, okay, do X, Y, and Z. Well, if I'm too much in my head, then there's less attention on what I have to actually respond to. And then that slows everything down, right? You think like milliseconds for somebody to, to respond, you know, to hitting the ball, catching the ball, like everything is a a millisecond. So as soon as those thoughts start to kind of creep up, they cloud that space. And it's like, if you were driving on the freeway during rush hour traffic, like all those thoughts are on the freeway blocking what you're trying to do. And so, you know, for, for an athlete, especially in baseball, it could be as much as like, how do we stop those thoughts? And then kind of like, give them a cue or something to like replace them and bring them back. So that attention isn't like shifted. And I think that's what happens a lot of times and it could be different for everyone, but sometimes that attention is a key piece in, in having those thoughts affect them in, in the way that it does. Good deal. That, so I have to ask yeah. you because I mentioned, we mentioned a guy here, but Ari's I did anyways. Have you heard the story of Rick Ankiel before talking this as far as baseball goes no i would uh-uh. I, I would highly recommend to yourself being a, in a mental professional ballpark and to anybody that has ever struggled with any of this stuff with on the field performance and try to get around it rick Ankiel was like i said one of the best young prospects for the st louis cardinals got up to the majors in no time at all to your point had nothing but crazy levels of confidence because he had just been mowing over you know hitters for uh, every level gets gets through major league season, gets to the playoffs. And this is ever was the same. They tried to get him going for like another two, three seasons. After that, he just couldn't find the plate consistently. He ends up getting cut, gets some help, gets back on training. And then he actually, like I said, a really good story where he turned it all the way around, got all the way back up to the major leaguers leagues again, as an outfielder. And can, I believe he even played against the blue Jays in 2015 in that postseason game against us. So wow. he got back to the postseason and performed. And <laughs> so literally did the whole circle where you're hoping to accomplish by getting through this mental health stuff. So it's a very, very interesting story. I highly recommend it. And I even want to say ESPN might have done a 30 for 30 on him as that in general too. So wow. I, unfortunately that's the worst case scenario with the f- turning a frown over or upside down to, <laughs> at the mm-hmm. same time. So it's a good story. Um, but anyways, I just had to ask that because I didn't know if you had heard that one or not. So, mm-hmm. um, but those are all the things that players are dealing with uh, on all day everyday basis and the, right now it is that other time of year they're gearing up for a 162 game season as blue jays players they're also gearing up for a highly anticipated good season at so the no same pressure. time no pressure <laughs> we just so, won a world series i mean no pressure we just uh, yeah we need another one we haven't seen uh we barely seen the playoffs since you know and we haven't seen a championship win since 1993 it's blue jays fans so it's that trying to get over it and this is easily the best team that we've had collectively in talent for a very long time if you were one of the people that just happens to be flying over this locker room and talking what are the kind of tools you're trying to set them up for to try and get them ready for that grind and and if they do suffer, how they have some 
tweaks to get out of their game or get their game back on track anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a long I mean, it's you look crap, at all the right? sports. <laughs> yeah, and it's really I mean, it is that's a long and a you have to be prepared number 1 to go for the long haul, I think is like that's endurance, right? It's not just like uh you know, football season where you have a whole week in between each game. Like it's back to back to back to back and you have to be mentally prepared to come back from maybe a game that you just played less than 24 hours ago. That was a, a a bad performance. So I think it's like mentally kind of having a game plan for, for number one um, performance setbacks and kind of what, when you make a mistake, like we talked about that baseball is two out of three times, you know, you're, you're failing. And so what do I do? So having a, a routine for that, like, here's what I'm going to do in those moments. If I had a bad game, like how do I reset myself mentally for that next game and start back over again? Um, I and so- I even being, knowing that even a little bit of athlete I was over through college and everything like that, playing baseball, <laughs> shocking. Um, that was what it, the, the process was games over good or bad. What do you do to mm-hmm. get back on your game? Yeah. You know, play so that- your favorite video game with a friend or whatever it might be going to the weight room, knocking it out, doing what you want. Right. So that routine though, I can see being very important. Yeah. And I think every athlete kind of has a a unique opportunity to, to develop their own routine, you know, and maybe at post game, right. I always encourage athletes to, to, to have a performance journal where you, you keep track of what's happening. Um, because it's, it's just like, like if you were going to, you know, I want to lose 10 pounds. You got to track your nutrition. You can't just willy nilly throw whatever in your body and then expect results. Like say mentally, you got to be able to track. What are my thoughts that's happening? What was my performance? What were my stats? Like, can I correlate my stats to mentally where I was? Um, and then that gives you the chance to, uh, repeat it and become consistent. Once you know what the contributing factors were to your success, like how do I recreate that? Um, and then you become a little bit more consistent and yeah, it's a mental routine, um, warming up. It's a mental routine during the game. It's a mental routine post game. And I think the combination of that, you know, is going to prepare you for that long haul. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. You talk about routines, Dr. Ross. And I remember my limited, my limited athletic abilities when I used to play hockey before and other different sports is that how the evolution of routines were because before we would just sit down on the bench, wait for our coach to give us a little bit of a pep talk. And then we go and then, and then just get in there. I'll say, we're going to run these plays and all this sort of stuff. But then I noticed when I became more of a trainer and working with athletes as well, I noticed that, uh, they're, they, they have this mode now when they're before the game starts, almost like they got headphones on and they're just being very quiet, listening to music, mm-hmm. whatever gets them hype. And so they can just focus <laughs> on what they're going to do. And I, that was something I never even thought about. Well, first off, when I had it, we would just have a Walkman and the tape would get stuck. So then I would be no point to it. So that's why we don't do that back then. Right. But, or a CD would skip 3000 times. Yeah, exactly. and you have scratches on exactly. it, whatever it might be. So, yeah. But yeah. it's just so interesting. So the importance of a routine is, is I know you, without knowing every single athlete in the world that you could possibly help is routine. Basically one of the first or one of the, one of the steps that a player or a parent can help their athlete proceed through something like this, whether, when they're going through tough times in the, in the sport. Yeah. Um, so absolutely. So it's kind of, there's, there's two key points to that, to having a routine is that 
number one, you're, you're kind of priming your body, your brain and your body are syncing up about like, Hey, what's going to happen next. Right. And it's kind of like that. I don't know if you guys follow any psychology, like Pavlov's dogs, right. Where they bring out the the food and the dogs start salivating. Like it's a, it becomes a conditioned <laughs> response. So for an athlete to have a routine, it's like, okay, now my body is primed. My brain is primed. So I'm not waiting until I'm 10 minutes into the game or 20 minutes into the game to suddenly snap into it. I'm ready when I step on that field. Um, and then the other thing is it brings a sense of, um, consistency. Like you've all heard the term, uh, flow or being in the zone. Um, and so that's the point of a routine is like, it's going to help that athlete get in their zone. So like, you know, yep. Ken, you said you see them with their headphones on listening to music, getting hyped up. And that's because it's, that's the zone they need to be in. And you either have some athletes that are like, I want to be up here, like hyped up, energized, ready, pumped up. Other athletes want to be more chill, more calm. Um, and so it, it comes back to finding what routine that will help that athlete kind of get into that zone. Um, so it's extremely beneficial. It's such a simple tool that I think we forget about sometimes as a, as an athlete, even high school athletes can use routines. Yeah, exactly. It's our last class point, Craig, before and you this jump is in honestly there well. something. Oh, sorry. If I stepped on anybody cause I flagged out for a sec. Okay, um, sorry. Go ahead. It, these are great tools that even when you don't wait till the emergency is going on to be able to start building these good tools up. This is something even as children, you know, as people like us that are interacting at little league levels and whatnot, or just as hitting coaches or to Ken's point, helping out the way he does preach that, get it. How do you get there? Because like we've been talking about no one thing that works for everybody. Um, I, you hear about, baseball players and other sports athletes being superstitious all the time. Okay. Well, maybe that's not a superstition. That's really just how they go about getting to the zone that you had mentioned. One of my favorite ones is that weight box always used to eat lemon peppered chicken before every baseball game. <laughs> so everybody in your crew identifies as either big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It was just silly that. things, but that, that's, that's what he does. <laughs> so it was one of those stupid stories that I heard, and I can't remember where I heard it. And then, of course, like, you know, after his post base. Oh, Craig, you kind of cut out there. Craig, you can backtrack to another five seconds. You kind of cut out there for a sec. All right. Well, let me go back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was talking about that on some interview for whatever show it was. And it, then he released a chicken or a uh, how to cook chicken, like cookbook after his baseball career was over. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of amusing. So, yeah. But, figure out no. what works for you. Maybe this music, this, that, whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's so many different things you could incorporate, uh, food. I think of Marshawn, I was at Marshawn Lynch with the Skittles, you know, before Buffalo football fan, games. Know them all too well. <laughs> <laughs> Explain to me the Skittles thing. Sorry. What's the Skittle thing? Oh, it was like before every game, he would have a pack of Skittles and then he'd be on the sideline eating Skittles. And, oh, and so he'd finish a whole pack of Skittles 
prior yeah. and it, during it the game. It had to happen. It's right. like how you hear those like old concert things where the roadies got to find like a thousand brown M&Ms or <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, you know, to be honest, I don't know why it was Skittles. I mean, I'm, I, I could speculate, well, but yeah, but it, whatever it was, you know, it was part of that routine for him. And, and so I think for an athlete to find that, but then the, the key piece I think too, uh, for a routine is like, it's not just superstition. It's gotta be, uh, consistent. And then there's gotta be a level of flexibility because otherwise it will turn into superstition. And if something happens that interferes, then it's like, oh my gosh, this game, you know, it's, yeah. it's all over already. My thing's not working uh, anymore. What do I do? Whatever it is. It's... <laughs> yeah. So you gotta have, you gotta have some level of flexibility with it. Yeah. And, and for those yeah. listeners, if you don't, if you want to take a look at routines that we're talking about, there's a couple of that, well, I'm going to use a, a dated reference, Nomar Garcia para before almost every at bat where he's doing like, I don't know how many things worth a ton <laughs> or watch a professional tennis match. In between points, oh. you'll see their backs are to the wall, then they're doing a turn. And, and I know we mentioned this a few weeks ago with Novak Djokovic. I know there's not a tennis podcast, but they used to now, they now have a stat where how many times he bounces the tennis ball before he actually serves it. And I actually literally saw it there. It's like ball count 24. Like, why does that matter? But for some reason, and there was no rhyme or reason of how many ball bounces he would do. I guess he would just do enough to the point of, okay, I'm ready to serve. But that might be thrown into the monkey wrench now because now in tennis, they have a almost like a counter between you have to start the next point with mm -hmm. almost like a shot clock, so to speak, like they have mm -hmm. with a pitching clock. Well, yeah. and that's where we actually, with baseball, and I'd be curious about what your opinion of this whole thing. There's a Blue Jay, this a pitcher this year and last year named Yusei Kukuchi. And last year, he came to the Blue Jays as a free agent and he had an amazing beginning of the season for the Seattle Bears, but then kind of had a little bit of a regression through the second half of the year. And they were always speculating he was hurt and this, that, whatever it might have been at the time. Came into being a Blue Jay last year and it just looked like he had all the talent in the world, but he had something maybe that wasn't working. So this year, exactly it was very ups and downs like a roller coaster this year they institute the pitch clock at the major league level and a hitter's clock so they gotta get into the batter's box they have to hurry up and pitch it's to what we were talking about earlier trying to take some of that lull out of the mm -hmm. game where you can't get in your own head he has been in something incredible to watch this spring and i wonder if it's this thing that we were talking about a minute ago he just doesn't have time to think about it he just gets up there mm -hmm. rifles it mm -hmm. to the plate and boom Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's the opposite of the routine. You took away the, yeah. <laughs> the well, and, and that could be why, you know, if, if somebody has a routine and they're going to bounce the ball 24 times, like that's going to take up so much time and, you know, we don't have time for that. But at, in the flip side of that is like, you do have to kind of continue that flow. And so if, if that routine is too slow, then it's not going to be beneficial for you. It's Correct. like, you got to be able to kind of continue that pace. And so it's not, you know, getting you too much in your head. Um, and, and that could be a problem with maybe why they've had to incorporate these time clocks on things. Mm -hmm. I, before we, I want to talk specifically a little bit to the little league level and things like that. So you, you building up good traits for your mental game before going along with, but um, I did want to ask as far as, before we go too far down, is there things that um, parents 
could what tools could parents be preaching to their children uh, with along with a routine here or just coaches as trying to build up good things before you because like i said at the little league level there shouldn't be a ton of stress yeah. but it seems like there is enough especially once they get into that quasi going toward teenager years and stuff like that all of a sudden seems like it's a lot and it, <laughs> we've had stories of children having a really hard time once they get to those ages and i think a lot of that's just not knowing and not talking and not prepping up to that point mm-hmm. yeah i definitely so i just did a a presentation you may have seen this craig i think you did you mentioned it i know why um, i went this avenue a little yeah. bit <laughs> Building resilience in the youth athlete, I think, is a a key piece to their long term success. Um, But also on top of that is um, at the age, you know, little league, right? A lot of times it's the parents that get the child involved. And then at some point that child decides, I really like this sport. Like maybe I'm good at it. I really like it. I'm going to continue. And then it kind of becomes their own. Um, and so I think it's in those things, it's like building for that athlete. Why, why do they want to play the game? Not why their parents are having them play the game. Why do you want to keep playing the game? What do you love? Cause it's, it's really that passion and that love for that game. That's going to keep them going in it versus the parent preaching. Well, you should do this. You should do that. And, you know, it has to be driven and initiated by the child, by that athlete. Um, but you can help facilitate that for sure. Um, yeah. So go yeah. ahead, Craig. I, as a guy that was an umpire for a million years, I saw too many kids that were being forced into baseball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I completely agree with where you're going. And ironically, my daughter has never set foot on a baseball field, and I'm a complete fanatic. So just to give you that, I've been <laughs> yes. I've been very very good. <laughs> yeah. She likes going in the batting cages as a hobby and goofing around, but I. She doesn't need to play the sport and I get it completely. So yeah. um, go ahead, Gunnick. So you got something well, yeah, I mean, there, there's just something that's so weird, right? Because for my kids, as well, I have like my, I soon will have an 11 year old and a nine year old, my daughter and my son. Now my daughter, like my son has been playing a lot of team sports and also individual sports. My kids do a lot of martial arts as well. And I find that, uh, you know, he's very neutral. Like, he doesn't have a super love, but a super dislike for almost any sport. Like he'll play it. He'll do it. My daughter is a bit of a different story though, where, you know, we got her involved with martial arts, obviously to protect herself and all that sort of stuff. So she does jujitsu and wrestling, right? Which is great. She, she, she's on the competitive team. She, we've gotten, we, she's really good that she's very humble. Like she's not expecting to win first place every single time. So I taught my kids how to lose is that, Hey, I don't care win or lose as long as you're actually literally trying your best. If for some reason you threw everything you had at the kitchen sink at your opponent and they just smashed you, I'm not going to be upset about that. But what I find interesting though about Dr. Ross is that she likes those individualistic sports. So the idea of her playing baseball, soccer, volleyball, basketball, she has like no interest in that. So I don't know if there's, because we're trying to get, we want our kids just to be general athletes. They don't Mm -hmm. have to specialize in anything, but just that if we're going to play any sport, they can adjust physically. Mm -hmm. But uh, have you seen some athletes like that where, you know, like say they're being forced to play baseball or they're, or they're forced to do an individual sport, Mm -hmm. but they, but they really want to be doing a team sports or vice versa. Yeah. It, it depends on the personality, right. Of the child, I think is super important, but then it's also like in performance psychology, we have this thing called a goal, a goal orientation. And it's kind of how that, um, that feedback motivates that, that person. And so 
um, maybe, you know, for a team, a team sport, maybe that child likes more social, like the social part of it, like making friends and, and that part, whereas an individual sport, there's not so much that sociability part of it. It's more of, I'm doing this on my own apart from other people. And it kind of gives them that sense of validation and who they are. So it's kind of like, what is your child like? Maybe they like the individual sport and that's what really they enjoy because of the individuality and they like to be kind of separate. So you, you kind of have to look at the child and ask what's, what's their personality and how can I kind of support them best in that? Not what I want as a parent, right? Cause as, as a parent, we all want really good things for our kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, Absolutely. But, so yeah, that's kind of my take on that. Yeah. And so to that point, that's where I'm, this is where it's kind of funny and ironic. You mentioned all this because this is where I am with my daughter. <laughs> Went through all the team sports, tried them, did that, did this, did that. And funny enough, the one she's finally settled on it because my goal, goal was just to show her all these things were out there. <laughs> and that might make you happy at the end of the day. As long as it gets her off the couch from watching YouTube all day, I'm completely happy with whatever the hell she does. <laughs> funny yes. enough, she settled on. Yes. You just cut oh. out there, Craig, just to say the sport. You got us in a cliffhanger there <laughs> and he's still frozen. Which, what is it? What is it? Craig? Is it? <laughs> you just missed oh, it. You I, I know I lost you. So, so anyway, the I got to, is, uh, the sport roll. was funny enough golf. There we go. I, oh. I've been taking it. And so I've been taking last summer. I took her to a driving range, just goofed around and she was just having a blast just hitting the ball as hard as she could. And yeah, she honestly did really, really good the first time I took her. So that was even more beneficial to building up that confidence. She's only been, she's going to be 13 here in a few weeks. So last summer I bought her golf clubs for, cause her birthday's in June, May. So I bought her everything and we went probably about seven or eight times. And it wasn't just because she liked driving the car, the cart around. So that was the nice, sorry. It wasn't just a drive. Mrs. K just wants to do that. She doesn't want to play <laughs> golf with me either. My wife just wants to drive the cart. <laughs> My, my wife ended up part. doing that same thing, just drove the cart while we went one time. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, but it's getting the kids interested in building up that confidence mm -hmm. level to have a home in some sport. Because yes. everybody can be athletic at something is my personal belief, but you got to find the thing that works for you. Yeah. And, and what it, I think it's really teaching to the child through, through the sports is what's more important is it's, it's a environment in which you can learn life skills and, you know, the skills you learn in sports as a child is, you know, how to be a good team player, like how to respect authority, how to be disciplined, how to, you know, work hard. So it's, it's facilitating all of that. So whatever sport it is, it's like, okay, we're looking at kind of the, uh, the characteristics and quality traits that we're trying to build in the child, not necessarily how good they are at the sport. So I think if you shift kind of that direction towards building all of those qualities, like it, it becomes way more beneficial than if you're like concerned about them winning games or, you know, their statistics as, you know, a yep. 10 year old. Right. So yeah. <laughs> can, can I ask you just a general question, Dr. Russ? Sorry, sorry, yeah. Craig. I'll yeah, this point, so, I was actually going to be nice and let you ask a bunch of questions okay. now too, anyways, Perfect. before I let Jen run, whatever uh, uh, part <laughs> she wants to run with to finish the hour here. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this then, then, then Dr. Ross. So what should a parent of a child expect? Should they 
start considering or really going to a sports psych- uh, like a sports uh, psychologist like yourself? Like, obviously, you can't speak for all of sports psychologists. Everyone's kind of mm-hmm. different. But generally, what should they be expecting? Obviously, we know it's not going to be a quick fix. But mm-hmm. what should they expect the, a psychologist like yourself and a child be kind of discussing when they start going to this? Yeah. So I always kind of recommend, you know, for a child to be usually around the age of 12, um, simply because to, to understand some of the concepts that we're talking about, like you have to have a certain level of, of comprehension. Um, so younger than that, I think you can do it on more of an informal level, kind of as the parent building some of those key pieces of resilience and mental toughness. But when they come to me and work with me, it's, it's very, uh, directed. And so it might be like, Hey, let's, let's kind of, um, uh, prioritize where we want to start. Maybe we want to start with building your confidence. And then we would work on, you know, in sessions together, work on, uh, key factors of building that, that individual's confidence and then giving them the opportunity to go out and practice these things and really kind of concrete down that, that part of their brain, um, as you know, a adolescent or a teen athlete, like those things in their brain are being formed like at that age. And so that's why it's, I think so critical is like the younger you start, the better, because then they don't form these bad habits and it doesn't become this thing that we now have to like rip up and replace. It's something that is like a fresh slate and we can give them the the skills and the tools. Um, so Ken, I don't know if that answers your question, but again, it's going to be unique. Um, and, and really focusing on what does that athlete need? Yeah. And I think generally to know that it's okay to go to a psychologist. Mm-hmm. I think, like you said, this goes back track to the beginning where some athletes might feel like, oh, am I weak talking to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Why don't I have enough mental strength to just push through this little struggle that I'm having that they yeah. see it as a sign of weakness, which yeah. I think nowadays we can all agree that, no, it's actually a, a strength for it, mm-hmm. right? So it'll, you can try to do it yourself if you can, but if you actually have an expert like yourself and other support resources mm-hmm. that can really help you get past it, you're going to probably perform a lot better in the future. Oh yeah. Yeah. And in thinking of it as like, okay, it's mental skills. So just like I train, like I don't have a problem going to the gym and training, you know, for, for a certain, you know, if I'm a, a pitcher and I want to become stronger in a certain area, like training for that. So why do I have such a problem training my mental skills? Like if, but if we could just kind of equate the two, and realize that it's only going to take you from here to up here. Like if anything, you know, it's increasing your ability. Um, and, and yeah, and starting at a younger age is even better. Yeah. And to that point, I, I'm, I'm a big contributor on what you were mentioning as far as making sure bad habits don't creep in, especially at the ages we were just talking about early on, because that can be just as, you know, detrimental to somebody's development period on any level, not just sports level to ensure that they're heading down the right path. And I, as parents, I hope I'm setting my daughter up with that at least. And to your point, Ken, I think just making sure that you do know that you can go make sure to both your points. This is a tool that you could be using to better yourself. Make sure you find help, get help, do all these wonderful things. It's a muscle, just like we were mentioning He's got to have a different way of lifting, right? It's not physically lifting. It's mm-hmm. having the right exercises for your brain just as much as anything else. Yes, absolutely. And it's giving them, you know, tools. It's not just, hey, let's go talk about our 
or background and what I'm feeling like, what are you feeling today? No, it's like, I'm going to give you tools that are not just going to help you in the sport, but they're going to help you in life too. You know, it's, it's the skills of mental toughness and, and how do you be focused in challenging situations? Right. So it, it's, it kind of correlates. And I think for parents to see that is super important. Like you're not just worried about the sport here and now you're setting them up for success uh, when they move off to college, when they start in their career and, and it goes beyond that. Or like softball or (laughs) volleyball or whatever you end up playing down and down the line with your friends is to make sure that you have that, like you said, that's good social atmosphere and everything along with all these mental pieces that do carry over into every bit of your life beyond the field. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, so, yeah. so Dr. Ross, how would you, I guess I'm trying to word this question very carefully, because obviously, you know, for a lot of sports at the end of the day is competition. And there are some kids that they just don't like to compete at all. They enjoy playing the sports, but the idea of getting that competitiveness, like, and I'll give a, a quick example. My wife, Mrs. K, she is a really good athlete, right? Like she, she plays tennis. She could probably beat me. And same, she's doing jujitsu right now. <clears throat> she can still probably beat me, but no matter what, she never wants to actually compete to do it, whether it's whatever level, even on a, she's okay beating me up, of course, in any of those sports, but <laughs> to say, why don't you go in, sign up for, let's say a tournament or a competition? She's like, no, 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 I, I, I don't like that. It, yeah. So is there something, do you feel like, does everyone need to compete or is it actually okay for some people to just say, you know what? I just enjoy the physicality of, let's say, the the exercises and the skills development, but I don't know if I really want to compete, compete. Yeah. I think it's what's underneath that. Like asking yourself, is it, uh, you know, not to say this is your wife, but like a fear of failure if I compete and I I don't do well. Um, And so that'll keep a lot of people from actually being in a high pressure situation is they, they, fear what that means to who they are as a person, you know, especially for, you know, younger athletes, sometimes that that's the case is I don't want to put myself out there for fear of what other people will think of me or what it will mean for me. But I would say being in a competition or being challenged in that way can only make you grow, right? If you fail, if you lose, that's an opportunity for you to learn. If you succeed, that only builds your confidence. So either way, it's a win-win. So kind of having that mindset. um, But there are people like that that don't really like to be in high pressure situations. Um, So I don't know if that makes sense. I can give you the example. When I was a young kid, I played drums since I was 10, but I didn't like being in front of people playing my drums. That was my safe spot. And then, you know, eventually got to high school, college playing in you know, got everything, but that early part, I had no interest. I was like, Nope, this is my thing. Don't care about everybody else. So it could be (laughs) something as simple as that. Having your kind of like what we were talking about, that's something you can retreat to your routine, what you can Mm -hmm. do in your own Mm -hmm. personal time kind of thing too. So. Absolutely. So Dr. Ross, we are getting near the top of the end of the hour here. And I didn't want to keep you for your whole morning. <laughs> um, yes. it, I know you've been just doing some teaching, lecturing, presentations, all these mm-hmm. kind of things. Is there anything from those topics that you've been discussing lately that you would like to, you know, bring up this afternoon? And well, she's we back. Lost her. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so we're just going to wait for Dr. Ross. I think she kind of messes that she has to plug her computer in. So we'll uh, pause no, her on I that. I see that now. Yeah, no, I responded to it. I said, oh, thanks for the heads up. But um... <laughs> and, and as far as that, Blue Jays fans, or anybody that happens to be listening to us on social media, I've been seeing some comments roll in. If you have any questions before we wrap up here with Dr. Ross, please make sure you have them uh, you know, sent our way so we can you know, make sure we ask her. And <laughs> clearly, we are going to be having her back again because this has been a wonderful conversation. So, Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, maybe we could just do something if you have actual specific baseball psychology questions for whether it's yourself or your child or anything, we can maybe have a, you know, ask Dr. Ross anything kind of thing that's related to it. So we can collect some of those questions and then just, just maybe we'll, we'll do one episode where we'll just have her respond to very specific questions. Cause obviously it's very hard without really diagnosing every single person Having type of issue, but it's also hard to just give broad stroke statements that, you know, well, why didn't I think of that? But of course, there's more levels to that, right? So, to um, that point, I think Dr. Ross has been very on point with every one of those broad stroke questions. Hi, welcome back. There she goes. She's back now. <laughs> we were just Hello. trying to engage our listeners while you were plugging your stuff back in. It's <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> um, so that you is were no problem. This is what the, yeah. edit, the edit button is for. It's not a big deal. It's <laughs> okay. So, I was asking you because you've been doing all these presentations, guest speaking, and then I believe you said you actually lecture at a local college or you were a you know, mm-hmm. professor at one point. Any of those topics from those conversations that you would like to bring up and engage our audience with this afternoon? Yeah, so I do. I teach psychology at a university here in Arizona. Um, and one of um, two classes, one is uh, sport and exercise psychology and the other is uh, aging aging and developmental psychology. So I always joke cause it's like sports psychology is my passion. And I go from like being super excited, teaching this thing to now, okay, everybody's going to die. So let's talk about it. Like, you just want to make sure you caught the whole spectrum and leave nobody out. Yes, exactly. Um, but, but from all of that, I would say, you know, you don't even have to be an athlete to want to train mental performance. Like mental skills is something that bleeds into every area of your life, whether you're, you know, a student and, you know, just trying to get things done and, and do papers and homework and everything. And so it it can really help you just beyond what you probably realize. And I always like to encourage people that like, you don't even know what potential is there until you start you start kind of peeling back the layers and, in realizing like you're capable of so much more. And so oftentimes I think in our own lives, we kind of just settle for this is the way it is. And this is okay to just feel this way all the time. And it's like, no, like I'm, I want you to know, like, there's so much more that you're capable of if you would apply yourself. And I think that's what it is, is mental skills is giving you that ability to apply yourself. And how do we do that? We build your mental skills and your mental performance ability. Nice. That's awesome. So in addition to uh, finding you on renewperformance.org, which is your personal uh, website and your Mm -hmm. own business, along with, I want to make sure that all the fans that are watching the show and we've had some great feedback. I was mentioning while you were, uh, you know, plugging your computer back in. <laughs> so I got you at least one new LinkedIn follower during this whole thing. So I made sure I got that went that direction. <laughs> so, gotcha. Um, gotcha. 
this is what I consider the shameless self-promoting bit of the show. So this is your moment to shine. Tell everybody on the show where they can find you, your work, in addition to obviously possibly being back here again, which would be almost a question at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is my website, what you shared, Craig, uh, renewperformance.org. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Renew Mind Body. Uh, I am on Twitter also at Renew Mind Body, but I don't I don't quite go on Twitter as much. Um, so mostly Instagram, you can find some of my work on there. Um, and then my podcast. So like I was telling you guys earlier, you and, um, and Ken about my podcast I do, it's called get your head in the game and it's on YouTube awesome, and <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, you know, I named it that cause of the irony in it is like the more we tell people to get your head in the game, the more they make mistakes. So how do we like have our head in the game, but not have our head in the game. So yeah, we talk on it on all things, mindset, mental health and sports and bringing in different athletes, um, and just talk about their journey and what they've gone through, how they've overcome. Um, so yeah, there's my podcast and then I'm on LinkedIn, like, like you mentioned. Uh, yeah, that's where you find me. Um, <laughs> I do a lot of team stuff, group stuff, but also individual work as well. There you go. Which is one of the many reasons we started chit chat here after I saw you just having to some reason liked our show. So I was like, Oh, I got to get her here. <laughs> um, yes. I thought it was kind of fun yes. that you mentioned that the name of your show is get your head in the game. And I don't know if you've seen on Instagram, there's a, this dad video of his kid teaching him playing T-ball like level and the kids, maybe two or three years old. <laughs> He tells him to keep his eye on the ball. Just like every parent does when they're teaching their kid baseball, the kid literally takes his high and sticks his eight to the baseball. <laughs> <on> the <team. laughs> I'm like, yeah, there is no better way of saying that. If he did exactly what he was asked to do. He put his eye right on the ball. <laughs> I don't know why that exactly. video popped into my head when you mentioned that. So maybe it's because my dad yelled at me too many times yep. when I was standing in left field about getting my head in the game. <laughs> so... Right. Blue Jays fans, there's been another wonderful episode here. Um, Dr. Jenna Ross, do you have anything else you would like to mention before we wrap things up? No, thank you guys. This has been fun. We will definitely be talking again and making something out of this because this was a really fun conversation. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for Jenna, sure. Anything for yep. you? No, nothing for nothing for me. I guess we'll talk a little bit after the show. But uh, yeah, it was a Just great conversation. Back in the sunshine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, even though it's not very sunny right now. But yes. <laughs> Good deal. All right, Blue Jays fans. So we have today's special episode with Dr. Jenna Ross talking about the mental parts of the game. Uh, make sure you listen in on wherever you get your podcasting pleasures for if you happen to miss this live show. And we do have live shows every Wednesday evening at seven o'clock Eastern time. Make sure you tune in and actually join the chat con the conversation with us. We see all your wonderful messages that you send us on YouTube, LinkedIn, wherever it might be you're watching. Also, Make sure you listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you can get those from. And we are the official podcast of JamesJournal.com, part of Fansided. And Dr. Ross, thank you very much again for your visit. And we will talk soon. And Ken, I don't think um, we would normally, what we end this show with Dr. Ross, I forgot to warn you, is we do. It's a Blue Jays mantra that started when we finally got good again in 2020-ish. It's ending with two claps and a Ric Flair. Uh, woo! <laughs> so, one, two, three. Oh, okay. Let's go, Blue Jays. Woo! There we go. We got a new fan. 
That's awesome. I'm rooting for them. Let's go. Thank you for listening to the Jaybird Watching Podcast. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, at BirdwatchingGC, and our YouTube channel. If you want to support the show and get extra content, please consider joining us to our Patreon at patreon.com slash birdwatchinggc. Go Jays, go. Woo! Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.